0: Welcome to the Leaders Who Care, a podcast powered by Dynamis Group. We are here to give the stage and support to those committed to create a positive and lasting impact way beyond the profits and margins, the leaders of the world who care for others and serve a bigger purpose. Join us on the journey of creating a better, more caring world. And now to your host, Marian Tamalkov.
1: Hello, dear audience. Thank you so much for your patience today. We are uh, having uh, a great guest today, uh, Catherine Bell. She's uh, somebody that's actually um, shared a lot in common and would love to uh, welcome her today. In a few words, uh, she's not only been serving leaders through executive search, but also she's awakening the fire in, in entrepreneurs and uh, really through what she does, and currently the CEO of the Awakening Company and also uh, um, serving many uh, Fortune 500 organizations, an author, a bestseller uh, book as well, and um, is really uh, one of those serial entrepreneurs that I was looking forward to welcome today. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, welcome to the Leaders Who Care.
2: Marion, thank you so much for having me and for what you're doing here. It's remarkable, and thank you for doing it.
1: Well, um, Catherine, you know we we have so many things in common here, and uh, of course not only of sharing a big part of our lives of of helping and and others and through executive search and other things. But um, I would love to hear, of course, so much about you. But because there's so many to so much to, I would like to ask: Can you share one story that's from your past? That is most representative of you. Something that will will share and will the audience will get to know you through a story that that describes you. It's That's- I know that you have a lot of stories, <laughs> but uh, if you pick one, it will be great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Definitely, um, a story that I think really defines me because it's a story that keeps on repeating in my life, and. That is the importance of tenacity. So, um, the idea for the Awakening Company just came into my ethos in a dimly lit cafe in New York City, and I, I said to my colleague, "You know, I've got to write this book called The Awakening Company." And she looked at me and she said, "Yes, you do. Yes, you do." And at that time, we were really just starting an executive search firm, Marion. And I'm like, "Okay, this is going to come to being this." this book. And so I worked away at it, worked away at it, and I, I shared it with my business partners. And they said, this is awful. This is absolutely terrible. So I'm like, okay, well, then I just kept on going, and like the little engine who could, because I was so determined that life meant this book to come into being. So I kept on working at it and working at it and working at it. And then I, I said, you know, I think Eckhart Tolle's publisher has to produce this book because it's a different type of business book. It's one about leadership and corporate culture and how do we build better corporate cultures. So I got in contact with her and she said, no, I'm not going to publish this book. No way. So what I just kept on going and kept on going and kept on going. And then she's like, well, maybe if you interview business leaders, that might be interesting. So. I interviewed the CEO of um, Patagonia, Rosemar Cario, Otter Sharmer from MIT, thought leaders around the world. And then I just kept on going, kept on going. And then I brought two collaborators in with me, Christopher Papadopoulos and Russ Hudson. And I just kept on going and kept on going. And then finally, probably after the fourth or fifth, fifth ask, after 500 pages of writing, uh, The Awakening Company came into being and was birthed and became a best-selling book, an award-winning book on how to create healthy cultures. So in my life, something that's always kind of come up is tenacity. When you feel something so strongly in your core inner being as a leader, to keep on driving towards what that inner being is calling you to do. And the same applies to... You know, one of the thing questions I saw you had was, where are you from? And I, I'm from Canada. I've lived in almost every major center in Canada. And as a result of moving so much when I was growing up, I never really felt like I belonged. So I think that inner quest of belonging and that inner quest of following that thread of what is our inner calling us to do is huge a huge string a huge theme in my life
1: wow what a wonderful story and uh, thank you for sharing um, this is this is such a great so what kept you going of course is what you said of the inner fire some people call it obviously different things for me it's probably the holy spirit in that aspect but just keeping you really that that life that fire and purpose and even when you hear setbacks, you were, you still kept on going. And uh, then you know you're onto to something. Um, despite the discouragement, you still do not give up. But that's not an easy one. How did you find the strength to go through those rejections and tough moments?
2: Oh, Marion, I love the way you said about the, the fire, because I do feel like everybody has that candle, that flame within themselves. And often it's just about finding what ignites it for us, so that inner search to then manifest in the external world, be in the world, but not of it, so to speak, that I think is absolutely, hugely important. Uh, And I just, you know, your question leads me to something that's very important for those on the quest, and that is the importance of relationships. And just being around people who are supportive of what we want to create, maybe co-create with us, like we're doing right now, to build a better world and better society for all. And that's the real uh, invitation is to, when things are challenging, get in touch and in connection with other people, as well as your own inner flame. If I did not have that inner flame, there's no way, that I would have completed The Awakening Company because everything was stacked against me. And often, you know, Marion, I'm the only female in the boardroom. And so I would constantly be putting myself into places of discomfort. So well, invitation, discomfort, get connected with people, get connected to something, um, you know, that's beyond beyond our normal capacity, shall we say.
1: You know, what they say, <laughs> putting yourself every inconveniencing yourself every day, uh, leads to long convenience for the rest of your life. So, uh, it is important that we do that every single day is consistency and makes that. So thank you for sharing those points. And, um, it's interesting today actually is the third birthday for Dynamis group that I, I was so blessed to found with a team. And, uh, when you talk about executive search. Um, And you founded, um, obviously, the executive search company yourself and would love to hear your story about it. And, um, you know, for us, those three years, of course, when we founded the company, we're working in the backyard. It was very tough going through a lot of moments. But we also had a conviction to go and do something much greater than just profit that was the the fire that we had and serving leaders who care so we have be selective of who we work because the most precious thing we can give someone is our time and um, we knew we can do obviously great things and, and improve and bring a lot of innovations but but of course we didn't want to do it with everybody we wanted to do it with leaders who can inspire more business leaders to um, actually take care why leaders who care for us was because um, leaders who care can have the conditions often to, for people to thrive in their workplace, not survive. And since we spend most of our time at work, that's something very important, very dear to us. And I'd love to hear your story about the first three years of <laughs> of, of your start uh, as well. And, and I knew uh, you, you did a, something great and, and you founded Blue Era and just would love to hear the story, how it was for you, especially at the beginning.
2: Well, first of all, congratulations on three years. That's a huge accomplishment. So big congratulations to you and to your team. And I remember what it was like starting out. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not easy. So um, Blue Era, first of all, we wanted to create the reason why it was called Blue Era is because when you look at the earth, it's mainly blue. So mm-hmm. we really wanted it to be an impactful organization to positively ripple out into the world. And that's what we created. I started the company with um, Shahana Siddiqui. We founded it together in 1998, and it was possibly the worst time to start an executive search firm. It just, it was not good timing. So it was incredibly challenging and difficult in the beginning. Um, And luckily we had clients who, believed in us and chose to work with us. So that created uh, the possibility of us continuing. So we built this executive search firm at the beginning. We didn't take a salary because that wasn't in the budget. And then gradually we we ended up doing fabulously well. However, we did things fabulously well by doing things radically differently. So Marion, we did things like this was over a decade ago. Over a decade ago, we had stillness breaks in the boardroom. We had unlimited vacation for our team because oh. we we trusted them. And it was interesting, the first year that we did that, people didn't take enough vacation because they were so socialized to work so hard and be so disciplined that um, we had to end up we ended up having to tell people to take vacation and take a holiday. And we became, because of doing these things radically differently, we became a profit 10 in our province and profit 200 in Canada. And then we successfully brought in two additional partners who believed in our vision. And let's talk about vision for a second. Hmm. Because I made a terrible mistake with vision that I think every CEO and every leader should know about. So we had a team meeting and uh, Shahana was more operational. I was more like the visionary innovator Uh, leader. And I'm like, okay, here's our vision team. Let's go. And everyone's like, okay, yeah, okay, Kath, okay, okay. And then we brought a consultant in from Denmark to come and work with our team. And first question he asked is, what's your vision? And nobody knew what our vision was. And I realized it's because people support what they create. And that's one of Margaret Wheatley's principles is people support what they create and me as CEO, kind of jamming the vision down their throat was not the way to go. So what did we do with that consultant in Denmark? We co-created the vision together and that created far more impact, far more buy-in and from there on, nobody forgot the vision in terms of why they were coming to work every single day. So, Then we brought in two more partners uh, to the executive search firm. And then we decided. And so gradually it was like I was birthing a baby. So the beginning was like having a baby. And then it was going into adolescence, into teenage years. And then I felt like I was kind of becoming grandma. So I'm like, and the awakening Company was being birthed at the same time. So I'm like, oh, I need to pay attention to this. So we successfully sold the business to DHR International, and the Calgary office continues to thrive because they left the corporate culture alone. And so for me as a CEO, that whole transition experience was absolutely profound, and also now... For me to watch my colleagues my partners to continue to kind of grow the tree is just an amazing thing
1: this is such a wonderful uh, story because not only because for me one of the greatest measurements of leadership is what happens behind you if we when you move on and um, if the company continues to thrive even more and better after you left then you've done a good job if the company doesn't (laughs) then you probably haven't done a great job and and uh but tell us about the things that you do ra- radically differently. you say unlimited vacation wow that's must have been such a such a very you know 10 years ago well actually 1998 so that's what more than 24 years ago we're talking here it's like wow you know like a long time that's that's really now is even quite a great idea in, in innovation but a lot more companies open to this what would the other really um things that made you unique uh, as a company?
2: Well, I would say trust was a huge one. So unlimited vacation. We did mindfulness breaks in the boardroom at any time. We did yoga together. We did volunteering together. Um, We did in terms of job descriptions, we did videos. So we would get our clients on this is a long time ago, Marian. We did videos of our clients that we would feature them and use that as the job description. And then we also were partnering, we did Enneagram. So we did something called team transformations. So as part of our executive service, this was, keep in mind, a long time ago, we would do team sessions with them because we had all been trained in something called the Enneagram. Are you familiar with the Enneagram, Marianne, or no?
1: No, please tell me. I I would love to hear more.
2: Oh, Marianne, I, I am thrilled to introduce you to it. So it is a personality roadmap for how do we become more present in our lives?
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. So and we use that with our team and building our culture with our team is, okay. what are our different Enneagram types? And the beautiful thing about it is we're all nine different types. So it doesn't just pigeonhole people. Rather, it's a way of opening up our spirit, our possibility, getting away from our tunnel vision in terms of how we may perceive the world. So we did that with, uh, within our own team, we did a whole bunch of training on who do we have to be to get to where we wanna go. And then we also were doing that with our clients. And it was very powerful um, alchemically. So I would really suggest looking, every team looking into the Enneagram and how do we actually um, use who we are and who we are not um, to be the best, people we can be and to live into our full potential for impact.
1: I love that. And thank you for sharing really uh, for the audience that is listening, that may be interested in, in the Enneagram, where do they find where, where they could find the information?
2: So you can go to our website, awakencompany.com because now we do a lot of work with the Enneagram and we have a whole bunch of uh, webinars, etc. cetera. Um, we've also partnered Uh, with the thought leader in the world in New York, Russ Hudson, on doing a number of initiatives related to creativity and knowing the Enneagram. So go to awakencompany.com, go to our YouTube channel. You'll find a whole bunch of free services. Um, It is really important for us to awaken a new way of being because we all know what state the world is in. And we're only going to do that by getting to know ourselves on a very deep level.
1: I love that. And you, what tell me more about what sets your heart on fire today because you've done so many things. You've successfully completed. You've seen that success. You mentioned about relationships. I'm sure that is a major part, but what are the kind of things that really give you that excitement in the morning?
2: Well, first of all, being here with you sets my heart on fire. And for me, it's being in the moment and being with whoever we're with and whatever we're with to just rest in that, to trust in that, to believe in that. And when we can rest in that and be with that and be just in the moment together, something really magical happens. It's not so much about the past or the future, it's about like, let's just all just take a pause and rest and enjoy this very precious moment that we have together.
1: You know, that I'm so uh, happy to, obviously, grateful, first of all, for you being here. And um, when you're at your best, and um, really you're thinking a lot of great things are happening in you, for, for you in your life, what is the ways to express gratitude? What do you do to take care of others or express that?
2: So this is a very, very key thing for leaders to do. And um, because I believe it magnifies everything. Gratitude is a magnifier. And let's just take something simple, walking down the street, acknowledging somebody by looking at them. Let's Mm. say you're walking in your office, acknowledging, stopping to actually really connect with somebody and notice something about them that you're thankful for. That is beautiful. That is magnetic. Um, another thing I'm really big into thank you notes and giving little gifts. So I would definitely do that. I also like to do, you know, one way I am um, one way I surprisingly say thank you to this life is I do something called the reverse pickpocket, Marion. And what I do is I grab the biggest bill in my wallet. And I randomly give it to somebody. They don't know me. And I just say, thank you. And I have a really bizarre story to tell you about when I did this once. So I was leaving the office and I said, okay, the third person I'm gonna give this to, the third person, I had 50 in my wallet. I said, the third person I see, I'm gonna give this to. Well, the third person I saw was a police officer. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I walk up to him. And I said, excuse me, I do something called the reverse pickpocket. Sometimes I don't describe it. Sometimes I just run up to people and just give them money. Like just It's just a way to say thank you for this life. Thank you for being here and pass it on. So the police officer said, well, you know, you cannot give me this money. I said, I'm sorry. You don't have the option. You have to take it. And he said, okay, fine. Like he knew I was not going to relent. So we went to... Um, a person who was standing on the street and who was playing a flute for money. And he's like, okay, I'm going to give this to this person. And the person said, oh, thank you. I, I'm actually doing this for the drop in center. Um, and no, it wasn't the drop in center, it's the dream center, the dream center. And I was like, great. And ironically, uh, my boys and my husband and I were going to volunteer at the dream center that night and it helps people with recovery. So for me, we cannot say thank you to life in too many ways. Everything from thanking our colleagues to uh, thanking anyone we pass on the street to randomly doing wonderful things for people.
1: Catherine, I can see why you've been very successful because you really understand people and relationships and uh, that is not an easy thing to do, of course. It's one of the key categories that we have in life. but. Um, Tell us, um, does that come naturally, the ability to develop a relationship and shorten the distance so quickly because not everybody may have those abilities? And what would be your um, advice to, to people, leaders that want to improve their relationship, that want to be thriving in their relationships, uh, but they may not be there yet?
2: Mm, great question. So for leaders, there's probably three relationship hacks, I would say, that I have. Mm-hmm. And one hack is to first, when you're working with people, separate out what's the role and what's the relatedness. Mm-hmm. So Russ and I talk about this a lot. The The role is kind of the function. So for example, uh, Sherry, who I work with at The Awakened Company, her function is really to help support me administration administratively and operationally now our relationship though is far more powerful and that's our heart connection that's how we relate to each other as human beings and when we understand the difference between role and relatedness we can be fiercely compassionate so for example let's say someone's in the wrong role but we really like them we know the kind thing to do isn't to keep them in that role the kind thing to do is to, have to put them in another role or help them find another role. So this invites in fierce compassion and reality. The nice thing to do is to keep them in that role, but i that's not very healthy for either party. So there's one. Notice whether it's role or relationship, one hack. Uh, second hack would be, how are we connected in the heart space? So that is how are we connected with our feelings? Uh, with who we are the second one is how we connected mindfully so are we being thoughtful are we asking intelligent questions that's the second and the third is are we giving um, each other autonomy are we giving each other independence so to think about our relationships are we being mindful heartful and spacious so every time we go into a meeting let's say with a candidate or with a client just come in with that that wisdom the other thing is there's three aspects to relationships another three uh, and that is are we being competent are we being positive positive? and are we being real and just to mm. ask yourself those questions
1: I love what you said you know competence of course brings a lot of respect with people and they understand you know that you, you have uh, expertise or excellence in what you do positivity everybody likes to be around positive people and uh, that are not constantly miserable or, or criticized and uh, what you mentioned is very interesting the last one being real um, because that that is what, what how do you redefine really that being real in what aspect being honest with the way with the way you communicate what what how do you define being real
2: being direct with your requests and what's needed in the moment that being real. So, and often people will um, hide behind things instead of communicating how they're really feeling. And also as leaders, we can invite this in, just ask the question, what are you really thinking? What are you really feeling? What is it that you really want? That's a way to invite in this kind of radical truthfulness that I think we're all wanting. And it requires a certain vulnerability to do so.
1: Well, what a wonderful, uh, really lessons that, that you shared. Um, there what was the most, um, I would say ideal or the most interesting clients that you have worked with in your time. I'm sure you had stories of placements and, and, uh, adversity and so forth, but is there something that stands out that really you still remember? And, and of course, uh, May have shaped you or was particularly important or interesting for you?
2: Well, luckily, towards you know, in the beginning, it was really tough at Blue Air and then got to the point of really picking and choosing who we worked with. And for me, that client connection and understanding their culture was just huge. And I like to do executive search, and I don't know if this is what you do or not but I really liked a broad spectrum of industries because I liked understanding and getting familiar with the different industries um is there a client you know a lot of the clients I worked with we worked with for decades Mm. and I ended up like you know I I don't want to use this word in business but I loved all of them I loved all of them. Like, and I genuinely cared that their business was positively impacted by the work that we did. And a lot of them, I continue to work with at the awakening Company in terms of corporate culture. So, is there any kind of, you know, I've done executive search in across different countries, um, various roles. Is there one? There's been times where, oh, you know, in interviewing candidates where I don't really understand what they're talking about. So clarifying that all the time. Like one time I had this example in, in the book. I had a woman say, well, me and my crotch rocket. And I was just like, what? This is a CEO talking about a crotch rocket? What is that, Marion? Well, it's my motorcycle." cycle. So like there's all, I have all these little funny stories of misunderstanding. Um, but the biggest driver in... In my business, in the business now, and the business in the business then was just an absolute love for humanity and the planet, and to help make it a better place.
1: I love that. And uh, when you when you talk about uh, really the industry and what's happening, you you've seen a lot of uh, changes in and really innovations coming as well. But if you look at executive search, these often we hear that there's need of disruption the candidates are not always looked after very well um sometimes there's a mismatch in terms of placements like you you make a placement it doesn't work out Mm -hmm. um and uh there, there are of course number of challenges but i'm thinking here from your perspective looking at what the future holds um what do you think is the future of executive search or, or, or those companies that are operating today?
2: Oh, what a brilliant question. Um, so the use of, I had over a 90% stick rate, Marion, when I did search. And one of the reasons why I had a 90% stick rate was because I did research. Research for the candidate, research for the client, You know, a lot of people just do a few references. We did over nine references. So I think, yeah, so I think that really understanding and looking at both the client and the candidate more objectively. So I can see a role for AI in time. It's already being used, I know, in some some firms. However, I think there are biases built into AI. So we also need to pay attention to that and i i do think our intuition as executive search professionals as you you would know is far more powerful than ai so we need to kind of find a balance between the empirical and our intuition and that's what i would say in terms of executive search that's the the invitation for the future. Now I don't do executive search anymore. Now I'm solely focused on building healthy corporate cultures and, uh, awakening the fire within and, and through relationships, et cetera. However, I do think AI will play a role. Also, um, the whole piece around candidate integration and the measurement of personality is going to play a big role as well. Would you agree with me, Marion? No, you
1: I was thinking, no, absolutely. I, I, I was thinking, what's the future of work like? And uh, I'm more and more uh, looking at people, of course, uh, have different passions. So um, you may do executive search or have done in the past. Now you, you're in building corporate cultures. And these are different things that you evolve. But you also care about other things as well. And that may be giving back or being involved in other projects. So... I'm more and more looking at that the future may uh, may kind of bring multiple projects at the same time. And, and ideally, organization may, may enable to to operate in a few of those projects at the same time. But I, I'm thinking more and more um, I'm just looking for how expensive it is for a company to hire senior executives and retain them. That's a huge cost, especially for startups and unicorns. But so maybe a, a situation in the future where they actually might share some of those you know uh, if, they, if there's not conflict uh, situation and people might actually choose because they they have a great talents and uh they might really bring things that are really um, much quicker than normal they're not a nine to five um role responsibility they, they have fire they have passion so i'm, I'm really interested to see how because I see senior executives interested in board-level appointments. That means extra work in a way. So that's like a project work, but in addition to your role, as long as it doesn't conflict too much. So I, I'm I, I'm really curious to see how this is going to evolve. Um, because if if that's possible at the top end, why wouldn't it be possible for more middle management or, or or even younger, especially for younger students that are starting out maybe actually healthy to experience a few uh, uh work experience or internships or, or companies to compare, contrast and find what they're really passionate about.
2: What you're saying is so pow- powerful. I do believe the future of work is leaders working with other leaders differently. So for example, if you look at the Awakening Company, I'm involved with something called the Centre for the Purpose of the Corporation, which is thought leaders across Canada getting together to help define with organizations what is the future purpose of work. And if you look at our collaborations with uh russ hudson with many others that to me is the future of work because to solve our challenges and the challenges that we face marion we have to work together radically differently and as such um, some examples of things that i do is i'm an advisor to the science center i'm an advisor to the impact society which helps um, children and i also created a not-for-profit to help females start their own businesses called The Awaken Project. So, And they're all intertwined. You might say, well, how is that intertwined? They all, as a leader, when you're learning, everything becomes grist for the mill. Everything becomes uh, applicable in other parts of, of your life. And so often we think of things divided and really it's at the intersections that life becomes interesting. So, which tool do we want to pull for what? And having the wisdom and knowledge and heart to be able to do so. So, I completely agree with what you're saying that we need to work differently and we need to work more interdependently together.
1: I love the really that that project for the more many of the things you do, and gathering thought leaders really to solve problems. And tell us more about this. You know how. How did it all start and what does it mean? It seems like really powerful and innovative as well.
2: So the center for the purpose of the corporation is really a research and think tank for thought leaders in many different, all the different provinces, I think, or almost all the different provinces in Canada. And it was started by Brian Gallant and he is the former premier of New Brunswick, former premier of one of our provinces, uh, as well as Jamie Watt, who's the CEO of Navigator, which is a, a, a public kind of think tank firm. And we get together and share research, we do research and then we share it. And we speak at various events and it's really to catalyze how do we actually wind our heads around purpose? for organizations and for every organization to really distill and be clear about what their why is. So for example, okay, Maren, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What's your why? What's your vision?
1: Well, for us, it's it's wonderful. Thank you for asking these questions. But our why is actually, we want to make positive impact through business. And uh, we choose to serve leaders who care and would love to help them fulfill their vision and purpose by attracting exceptionally gifted talent. So for us, that, that is something powerful. And why leaders who care? Because they normally, from our experience, have the intention and experience and heart to create those conditions where people can thrive, not survive, because when you make a placement of a CEO in Germany for 23,000 people, that's 23,000 families directly impacted by a single placement. So for us, that's very important. Really, how do we do this? Uh, and, and I think, uh, and I believe that business is very powerful and corporations, to your point, um have enormous power if they actually clear on the direction and and, uh, how they can serve the world apart from making money because the money is a byproduct of your service Um, you go out and serve and make a difference strive for excellence run from every failure mistakes you rise you get there Uh, um, but of course um, what is important to keep you through the difficult times is to remember to remind yourselves, you know, why you're doing all this, and uh, that's that's our why. And um, I have uh, been grateful the, for the fact that we we've been working with some tremendous leaders that that we can tangibly see companies being turned around, or uh, hundreds or thousands of people are directly impacted, and that gives you that that really drive in the dark days or difficult days which you all are going through or, or have gone through.
2: Very much so. And I just want to commend you because most people, when I ask that question, they don't know how to respond. So an invitation for every leader listening to this, really get clear on the why, your purpose, and be able to articulate it. And then everyone in the organization to be able to articulate it. So there was one client that I worked with and helped them go from zero to over a billion dollars in le- less than five years. And it was wow. all, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: done, you. <laughs>
2: well, it's, and, and it was through clearly articulated. Why then all the structures around it and also have the re- having the regeneration in place. So that's what it's not um, cookie cutter it's not a cookie cutter approach. I think everyone needs to think about corporate culture in terms of what it is that they actually want to create and then start measuring corporate culture, start measuring how are we living our vision, how are we living our values? And it's all about the embodiment of what we're actually speaking about. And I can tell you're embodying it because look at the topic for for the podcast. This is embodiment. So I just would invite people to emulate what you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, I mean, I would love obviously through your story, you know, and the stories of the leaders who care to bring, to inspire more leaders, because I know sometimes this difficult moment. We all go through challenges in life and and we wonder, and and as you've met as well. And I see quite often having speaking to a lot of executives every day that sometimes you reach a moment where you, you don't know what's next and that's perfectly normal sometimes but go through that journey in motion and uh, as you said get clear think about what sets your heart on fire what are your passions what are your key strengths and what are your values if you get clear on those three you will be able to start thinking about what the vision could look like and and uh, be more deliberate about the companies you're willing to work for because or leaders as well because leaders can make you know a company may not be that Let's say, uh, recognized or uh, may not be at, at the top of its game, but a leader who joined that company could make a difference and take that company forward. So I always uh, think of and look at leaders who actually um, uh, know what they want, but if they don't know, we could, our responsibilities is to share some best practices and guide them in that moment. That for me is care. That for me is really part of of the exploration journey of life and uh, that's why um, uh, having the this platform uh, is not just a podcast uh, it is actually we connect a lot of the leaders and we would love to amplify the impact because through business we can do so much and uh, i would love to see more leaders thriving because if you if they thrive their family will feel it their friends will feel it their community will feel it, everybody, and that that's maybe a, uh, so if we kind of, uh, you shared some advice already, but uh, um, when leaders are not clear on their why, what are the steps they should take? And now I'd love to talk about how you guys with the working company can help.
2: Mm-hmm. So when leaders don't understand their intention, they will be blown with the winds, And what do I mean by that? I mean that they will go with whatever is, they won't kind of set a direction. Either we lead or we're going to be led and we may not be led by ourselves. We could be led by other people in directions we don't wanna go. So one of the key things I would suggest leaders cultivate is an I am statement. And what does an I am statement mean? An I am statement is something that you take a stand for That is unique to you that is your own personal inner compass for how you actually want to be in the world so i am so for me is i am a healthy universal muse to radiate love wisdom compassion in service to humanity and the planet so to use that as a model for That's what drives me. When I walk through the doorways, that's what I will say to myself so that I'm constantly reminding and ingraining it in my body in terms of why I'm here. And you'll know it's the right aim or vision if your body energy goes up when you describe it, Marian. and, And play with it. For people not to think of it as a finite statement, but rather create an I am statement, draft it, Start using it when you walk through doorways, repeat it to yourself, feel it in your body. Does your body energy go up? Does your body energy go down and and play with it? However, to begin with an aim is so, so, so important. Um, And the Awakening Company, it's like a drop in the ocean, Marianne. So the first drop is awakening ourselves. And how do we awaken ourselves? We have personal vision meditation or prayer, wherever you whenever you take the time to come back to yourself. These are just small, these are small micro practices that everybody can do is come back to ourselves, have a vision, know what we take a stand for, and center ourselves from our body, our heart and our, our minds, and then our relationships. So the next ripple So awaken ourselves and then awaken our relationships. And we've spoken about some hacks for relationships. And then the third is our organizations and teams is that's that outer ring. And then it ripples out from there. And I believe that businesses are here to solve the world's greatest challenges. And in doing so, um, not cause any more damage to either humanity or the planet. Uh, So if people are complaining about businesses, stop. The only way we're going to do it is by doing it differently together. Organizations are are the means to solve our problems. However, I do believe we have to organize differently. Leaders working with different leaders and cross-fertilize. I don't think the old methods have worked very well. And
1: that leads me to my final question, because you talk about a lot of the differences, how we could do things better and What is your uh, wish or vision for a more caring world in the coming years? What, what What would you love to see?
2: Oh, I would love to see that every organization is in service to humanity and the planet. And for us to pause in our businesses, in our world, to connect with that inner flame that we spoke of right at the beginning, because I believe our internal and external, um, up, And when we're internally more grounded, more centered, we can't do some of the things that we've been doing to other people in the planet. So that's my invitation. That's my ask.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, been a, a great to have you and for sharing all these insights. Our encouragement is of course, to uh, more leaders to take a look at those advices and, uh, of course, um, what is the best way to reach out to you if anyone is interested in obviously uh, talking more about purpose and, and how to awaken uh, if they are not yet? <laughs> how, what is the best way to reach you?
2: First of all, you raise a good point. We're, I think we're always awakening until we're not here. I don't think it's like a final destination. <laughs> That's a good
1: one. Every day is an opportunity.
2: Yeah, every moment. So, AwakenCompany.com uh we're on instagram twitter facebook linkedin Uh, link me in i would love to continue the conversation we also have linkedin groups as well so please come and join us and also play with us like this is life is too short for it not to be joyous
1: thank you so much what a wonderful you take care and blessings to you and your team and for the fantastic work you're doing
2: thank you so much for having me marianne and to you congrats on year three Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Find out more about the Leaders Who Care across the main social media channels and help us spread the care culture in your own community. First, by taking care of yourself and then of others around you. It all starts with one person, one act of kindness. What is one thing you can do today to make your environment better Stay inspired and stay caring. See you next time.